<laughs> Dennis, welcome back. We've it's, been on a hiatus. We have. We have. It's been a, How high was your hiatus? Yeah. Well, stories could be told, but it was, for me, it was about sun, surf, music, and beer. Sun, surf, music, and beer. Yes. Yes. It's a, SSMB. Yep. Yeah, so it was it was 75. The last day we left, it was 77, near the all-time high of 81. Damn. And we went to December. Uh, a little town, a little mallish-looking little town called Hempstead, just off the beach, about a mile from the beach. Mm-hmm. Crossed over the bridge, over the intercoastal waterway, to the uh, sliver of uh, island that is Topsail Island. Yep. And if we went right... We drove and drove and drove way down and got to a place near the intercoastal waterway where there was free parking yeah. and a picture of which I showed you in this magnificent opening of intercoastal waterway where there was no housing and it was public access. And so when we walked down into that beautiful, sunny, warm, sandy area and waited at low tide, knee deep and cast out some 25 yards with a heavy plasticky kind of uh real curly q tail looking rubber thing called as we'll have to get a picture to you but it's a, a it's, the color is called christmas tail with a, a bubblegum bubblegum twisty tail and the twisty tail is this long rubber thing that even when your uh, weight your hook which is your weight and your little rubber thing that you attach to the hook that looks like a giant worm even when that's on the bottom this curly tail in the current floats up above it and so the fish go at it this and, is increasingly uh, a uh, fishing podcast. It is. It is. It is. It is. It is. Welcome back to fishing hour. But in this case, the Topsail Island. And so what was so much fun is that when we were rolling, about every third cast, we would catch a fish. And that fish was a speckled sea trout whose legal limit size is 14. And we caught 60 of them, all but probably three or four under 16 inches. So wow. they, were, they were small, but, but they were plentiful. And at one point there were. Can you hear that rain? It's coming down right now. Anyway, sorry. Oh no, I can't. I can't. Okay. But uh, anyway, at one point, all three of us catching fish lined up, all fishing about the same depth, fish after fish. Danny caught a flounder. Both he and John each caught a blue, and uh, I caught nothing but trout all day. First day I caught pulled in seventeen. The other boys pulled in nine and seven. And the second day I tied my first day of seventeen. John brought in 14 and Danny brought in like nine. So it was, uh, and it was so warm and this warm breeze. And I'm in my shorts and gym shoes up to my knees in the water. Tide goes out. I walk Is that good out. for your gym shoes? You know what? The least of my worries, they're downstairs washed and drying. So, you know, they were fine. Okay. And uh, full of sand. And uh, that was one of two fishing trips we took while I was there. And then the other time we played music for one time for four hours. Yep. For the, almost the entire open mic. And then the next day at a uh, acoustic uh, round. So at an open mic, is it okay if you just like bogart the mic like that? In this case, it's set up for a band and there's four mics, a keyboard with a mic and a uh, computer lyrics on top of it, two mic stands, a drummer with a mic. So it's all mic'd up and on a space that's big enough easily for five guys to stand. And so there was never, uh, it was, what was it was what you up there and, and there's a guitar player. And presumably if the guitar player doesn't know the tune you're playing, you can't play the tune. That's all there is to it. 
I can play anything because mm-hmm. of the harmonica. So the drummer can go along and the bass can go along, but the guitar player or How the piano player, lead uh, musician. And so it's often the case where you say, okay, you got something? <laughs> they say, yeah. And so then you just ask a key. And then, of course, if it's me, I just follow along and he'll start and the bass player will hear the riff and mm-hmm. catch up. And then the drummer will jump in. They have this electric drum kit that was the size of a large bongo. And it was divided up into sections. And when you tapped it with your hand, it sounded like any one of a number of drums and cymbals and whatnot. It cool. was the coolest thing. <laughs> Just using your fingers. Technology, man. So I, the dude who was organizing, his name was Bernie, who owns a shout out here to the second row in Topsail. This was his last open mic besides one in Christmas. And then he's closing. So the number of musicians, which was a large number of musicians. He had a weekend at Bernie's? Yeah, that's right. And his wife, Marie, and they had a beautiful amber beer in a bottle called Rabbit and the Hound, maybe. It was a strange name. I can't remember it, actually. We probably have a picture. And uh, fun time was had by all, man. It was just, and we all had the best time. We ate and bought some seafood and cooked it up in the oven, cooked some salmon and shrimps. And yeah, baby. Next, next night, some uh, big old tuna steaks and scallops, big salads. It was it, and it turned 68, you know I mean? It was- Happy uh, birthday. Th- th- thank you for your uh, birthday message. I did did receive it. A day late. But a day I received it. I mean- but I, I realized uh, later that I had missed a phone call from you, which was an unusual event. I know, right? Highly, highly unusual, and I missed it. And this was the thing, I was probably fishing. You're in, anyway, bed. You're in bed hungover, come on. No, we were in bed each night by 10 or 11 o'clock. Okay. Just started out at six. But a fine time was had by, I was good to see my old bros, so- Lovely. Happy, happy birthday to me. Happy birthday to half of this podcast. That's great to hear. I'm very pleased with your. Uh... And the air flights were COVID sound and not terrible. We were in an airplane, one of two airplanes for total wheels up to wheels down of about three hours, probably hour and a half, hour and a half, maybe a little right. more than that. Not too bad. Had good seats. I played, I played poker with at a table of, of seven for the last flight, two hours. And I beat everyone. Thing. Yes, and I beat everyone at the table seven times in a row, and I ended up with uh, twenty one thousand dollars. I started with three hundred, and I ended up with twenty one thousand dollars. Yes, too bad they are fake dollars. Yes, and what was dollars. interesting was at least a couple of the players were not computer generated, and you can always tell the tell and smell the computer generated opponents to actually someone who's on the plane. And that was always the last person that I had to beat was the real person because right. I could beat the game in a, in a minute. All I got to do is bet near the total amount they have and not get the exact amount. And they will call. Right. It's the computer generates that. Right. You right, can't right, scare right. them. You can't scare them away unless you're all in or something like that. But anyway, that, so that was, that was fun. I was Dennis, Dennis beat some bots on a plane. Yeah. yeah. Poker. Congratulations, man. I th- that's my personal record. I think maybe we should. Ask around, ask our friends what's their personal record. See, I don't, I for sure don't have a record of get these motherfucking bots off this motherfucking plane or whatever the line is. <laughs> you, I take it you don't do those games. You don't like them. They're too complicated for you. It's too hard. Yeah, I'm not, figure it out. I'm not so smart. No, my, most of my flights are like uh, transatlantic and the games, I don't even know if they're connected to the other people in the, on the plane, but just that whole like touch interface is so disgusting to me that I, I abstain. Yes, I got you. I'm happy to know that something I did for two hours disgusts you. Sorry. Add it to the list. Yeah. <laughs> Add it to the list. Indeed. Indeed. So I returned to, uh, from that, 
23 degree weather, a uh, whiteout, snowy, icy rain all the way back from the airport. Lovely. A layer of ice on my car in the morning. So cold that all skin had to be covered. We, are, we, live where, we live where we live. We are where I live. We're going through a, it's been three or four weeks of just solid fucking rain. Rain, 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 rain. It's not, it doesn't get, today was the coldest and it got down to, I guess in Fahrenheit, maybe 40. Oh, that's chilly. But in the rain, that's yeah, chilly in, in, the in the rain. But but then the other day it was like at sixty-five or something, but still rainy uh, and shitty. But uh, it's just gray and dark and meh, just all the time. And update on our housing situation: that we our house is starting to leak in two different places. New or old? Three. New apartment or old? Uh, new apartment, old apartment, and the space between. So. In the sort of lobby area between, because we're on the, we're not on the top floor because the actual problem is a little terrace, uh, balcony sort of thing above our top floor. The floor of the terrace? Yes. And so in our stairwell, there's like drops falling. What's the the, uh, surface when you're on the uh, surface of that? What does it look like or feel like beneath your feet? The terrace? The, floor. the terrace, I don't know. It, it's not part of my, I, I, I can't get there. That, that's another, that belongs to another, another. And so the family. people on the top floor have access to a rooftop terrace yes. and you don't. Correct. Gotcha. And so in our, in our stairwell, there's just this drip, drip, drip yeah. that, and it, it's been going for several months, but not as hard as it has this time when it's been super rainy, but it has gotten to the point of five drops per minute. We'll say, and it's for your now for your info. It is a, because of a terrace being there. It's a very simple identification and, and fix process, because in a terrace there are edges and corners, right. and those edges and corners are to be caulked and then recaulked. No less than every five years, a homeowner of any not good but a skilled homeowner would replace consider replacing those at year three, depending on how they look. And in addition to that, depending on what the surface is, if it's tile, it's grouted. Grout also diminishes over time. If it is uh, more likely tar, tar also wears away depending on where you're standing, et cetera, et cetera. And so it's not an expensive fix or, or hard to do. Not that you're going to do it, but just say. Right. But, but so it's like, it's their terrace and the fact that their terrace is leaking doesn't affect them. It, affects, well, it does, of course, now that you've made us, it. Affect- but it's like destroying the ceiling of the building on our side and like the, the the folks that manage this whole building are going to have to like pay for someone to fix that. Or I guess they could charge those people for fixing it, but I don't know. That, well, you've got a balcony. Yes, yes. But and what, is, what is the floor made out of in the balcony? It's tile. Grouted tile? Yes. And what's beneath that in the floor below you? Another balcony? Another balcony, yes. So if the balcony below you were leaking, if the fellow below leak, you, right. the fellow below you would let you know so you could fix it. Yes. It's no different than in the, the and the the odd thing about this is that this guy's terrace is it's on the roof, right? And he walks up to it or out to it, out to it because their their top floor, they're, they're, is, their top floor is higher than ours. It, <laughs> <laughs> but it's narrower too, more narrow. I potentially but I don't know the the dimensions of their it because, has to be because our building has two has two entrances. There's two lobbies that come in from either side. And ours goes up to the sixth floor and theirs goes up to the seventh floor. And they get out and live on the seventh floor and we're, or eighth, I think maybe. And we're here on the sixth floor. They obviously are set back from you. Otherwise, when they walked out, 
and that side of your building, they would be uh, walking out to a balcony over your balcony because yeah, I know, right. Their, their terrace is directly over our stairwell. Yes. And that so. means that their residence is offset from yours. Correct. Correct. Yes. So now that I have side. that, now that I have that image, but the fact is that what's rotting the worst is the wood that's holding up their deck. It's not wood. We're not in woodland over here. It's, uh, it's iron. All, oh, it's all cement and steel. Steel and cement. Yeah. Then the corrosion of steel is the water dripping down colored, rust no. colored. No, no, well, that's good. That's good. But the, nonetheless, that my, my point is, it doesn't matter whether it's wood or concrete. The damage, the most severe damage being caused is the damage to his property because the water is strongest at his leak. Therefore, whatever that's leaking into all the way down to yours, the place that has the least damage is you. That water is being distributed. It could be distributed in over 100 different directions. Correct. And in fact, the dripping in our staircase, very adjacent to that, 10 feet away from that, is my, my daughter's room where there, she woke up one day and went to get her notes to go and study, and they were all soggy because it was fucking raining in her room. From her closet? No, on her desk from the ceiling, because it's right next to this particular place where the terrace above is. When you're when water drips underneath the edge of, in this case, either tile, it sounds like probably tile, that the grout is screwed up, but it's more likely the edges where the water's licking. The, the place where the wall of the terrace a little short wall, perhaps there's a step down to it or whatever, but wherever there's a, a, a seam is likely covered. But when that water goes underneath there, it attaches, it, it attaches itself as drips along any horizontal surface. That's what people are telling me, yes. And the mm -hmm. horizontal surface can actually Beam. be somewhat, can be some, can be somewhat, if it's even, there's no problem because gravity takes over. If of course it's off and it's lower, then of course it's even flows more. But even if it's higher, even if it's offset, the water can roll uphill depending on the force of the dripping. And when it drips down and hits another surface, that happens again and again. And any number of horizontal surfaces are the streaming of the drop. You can have a leak in a different room. I had a leak from the living room come out of the kitchen light socket. And someone said, oh, where is it leaking up above there? It's not. It's leaking 10 feet away from that vertical up. But horizontal, the problem is way over there. It's that the water's attaching itself to the main beam of the house yep. and transporting itself all the way down until it hits the, loop, the, the plastic PVC casing of the electrical stuff. Mm -hmm. And then it goes down and it comes out there. Water's such a bastard. Water's such a hazard. Yeah, so that's two of our leaks. The third is in the new apartment, three feet from where I'm standing, where there's a, a, this was a thing before we painted and did everything. Like there was a clear stain on the ceiling where there was water damage. And we told, and in fact, at one point there were drops falling. And we told the builder that manages our building, we got drops here. And he went up on the roof and said, yeah, there's a chimney. I don't know if this particular this column behind me is not a, and it's not a chimney, it's a supporting column, but right next to it is a chimney for kitchen and bathroom gases and stuff to, to go up. Made out of brick? From other apartments, probably, yes. And, and it goes up to the roof. And, and so recently with all of this rain, I've started to be here at my desk and I hear a drip, drip. Yeah. So it's clearly falling from some height above the ceiling to hit the ceiling, to make that noise. And then five days later, the paint starts separating and then we actually get water dripping onto the floor. So now we have a, I have a bowl here on the floor that is there to collect the few drops. It, it, there's maybe a hundred drops a day or something like that. It's not that much, but like the paint is peeling and there's damage already. And he went up there and he looked at the 
chimney thing. And there are other chimney bits that have where at the top, the place, the sort of vents for the air to leave are, are sort of like angled down at, at angles so that the air has to necessarily leave going down. But this one is one of the older ones where it's just even. And so if the rain is blowing sideways, as it often does, his theory is that it's entering the chimney somehow. And then somehow, but if the chimney is fucking sealed, I don't think no, no, it has wrong. to be going on the outside. It's, here's the thing. Here's the thing. The, the, the seam where the chimney goes through the roof is right. a matter of cutting the board, or in this case, the steel, creating a frame that uh, surrounds the chimney. And that frame is where all of the cross beams and, and rafters are attached. And so it's an odd uh, uh, little cutout that's got to be attended to. When you get to the final layer of your roofing, is your roof in this building made out of tile or stone? Terracotta tile. Terracotta. So in this, and this is the case too, where now you have uh, grouted tile, and these are overlap tiles yes. where they stack on top of each other. They're, they can be brittle over time. Sun makes them weak. And I've you, been up there. I, I have access to go out on the roof. And I've been up there and looked at the tiles, and none of them are cracked necessarily. No, but. and this is my point. When where the uh, tile uh, meets the chimney, there is supposed to be applied to there something called flashing, which is a bendable aluminum sheeting. And you we have that put, in some places. And you put the sheeting, you affix the sheeting with a very adhesive, goopy caulk that literally plasters the sheet against the chimney on an angle, whatever angle is necessary. And then your roofing is always two layers. When you stack, you imagine a stack of, of these clay, this clay roofing that you have, or easier to imagine is the stacking of tar, tar paper shingles, where one overlaps the other, overlaps the other, overlaps the other. That space in between those two layers is where that flashing goes. And that flashing extends down so that it actually comes out onto the next layer of tile so that when the water runs down the side of the chimney, it goes underneath the top tile, but flows out until a little lower. Let's say that your tile was weird. Yeah. My, my zoom crashed. You were saying the top tile needs to overlap though, whatever. So when the water drips off the side of the chimney as it does, because that rain that's moving sideways is pelting that chimney. And particularly if it's made of brick, that means that there are crevices in the brick where the water is, it can easily escape a caulked arrangement. This is why you don't just caulk it. This is why I use flashing is because the brick is an uneven surface and it's got to be completely covered with goop and it works like a charm, but the diagnosis of your man is wrong. And you can just tell him to listen to this part of the podcast, send it to him in a friendly, yes. you know, whatever is no, no judgment here. He's just wrong. And here's the thing. A guy who owns the building doesn't necessarily know how to take care of a building. He doesn't own the building. He's the build as the residents of the building. We are paying in a company that does building administration that manages 20 buildings and they have contracted this guy to be their, their builder for the, for this particular building as, as well as I suppose others. You should and, know this then. Yeah. So anyway, you should come over and I can take you up on the roof and then we can discuss it. I'll be right there. Okay. Well, I'll be right there. What, there was some homework you were doing. What were you catching up with succession? Ah, you, made, you, you made the note that the woman who stars as uh wrote as as shiv's mother and oh yeah logan's second wife is the same woman no second wife okay was the same woman from the the australia um, euthanasia show what was the name of it's a movie about death so 
Death Becomes You or... No, it wasn't a movie. It was a series. Series, series, of course. We we watched... I don't know. It was similar to the other Australian series that we watched. Yes, I have done a lot of homework. So I've had two weeks and I've watched 20 hours of Succession. I had already seen the first season, but two years ago, three years ago. And so I, I started from the beginning and I watched the first season all the way through. And I there were points that I remembered, but then I watched the second season all the way through, 10 episodes. And that was all new to me. And... Then I've just watched the first of the third season. So as we talk tonight, there are eight in the third season. So I'm just, I've just started that. And it is, I have so many thoughts. It's, it's very interesting to watch the richest people be miserable. The other show that I've been watching over the past two years that I've finally finished up until the last episode that they've released is a... Netflix show called The Crown. Have you heard of it? Yeah, I actually have, I think. And it's more or less a historical fiction following the British royal family from before Queen Elizabeth became queen up until the last episode was when Margaret Thatcher finished office. Oh. So that's a long time. And you you finished it. And it's 40, that's 40 hours. (laughs) That's four, four, uh, 10 episode seasons did, and it reminds me did you see uh meryl streep's thatcher no i have not uh, but it's the succession reminds me very much of the crown because succession is the american version of the crown it is super uber wealthy fucks who are so unhappy with their lives and they're bickering and the this way and that way and it just makes you glad that you're not one of those people uh, but also it makes you be like, damn, look at those houses they live in. Look at those. So do you think that Logan is miserable? Logan's he, the only one in the, the, Logan actually is miserable. He's happy as he can be. He, and he is the only one. Though. He, he's, he's the only one in the show who isn't miserable. He's, he's annoyed by his asshole kids. But I, I, so one, one thing, one recurring thought that I had watching the, watching succession was damn, they have some nice clothes. Like <laughs> I, I've never worn a suit perfectly tailored to my shoulders and then an overcoat over that to walk down the street in Manhattan. Yeah. In the way that they in the way that they do. And Kendall's posture is just so like when he's walking somewhere, he's fucking going there and in a way that the other folks aren't. Have you seen Jeremy Strong in other roles? I've not. And there's a Washington Post article that was yeah. released that I have that I was gonna read and I started reading, but that I put it off because I wanted to watch more succession to read it. But the t- the takes I've heard from other people having read the article is that's basically who he is. He's not really act like he's not really acting. He's that's just yeah, who he read, fucking is. I've read a lot about uh, that article, and mostly it's been uh, negative about the way it was written by people that know him uh, best. Okay. And in fact, sounded like to one is some type of a snarky hatchet job of some kind or another. But who? So these characters are riveting. Yes, and the acting is riveting, but they're so unlikable. Shiv may be the most unlikable character I've seen in a series in a long time. And there's nothing about what goes on with her that is anything other than just vulgar to me. And just, she's just awful. And while Logan's awful, I enjoy watching Logan. I can't say that about her. And now I just caught up last night. So I am at a, a very critical time. Leave it at that. Every time it's critical time in this. But in, in looking backwards... 
there are more or less pivotal times. Sure, sure. And uh, this, we, I am, we are at a peak here. We are at a, we are at a peak. Enough said. But you have a lot to look forward to. But I've also seen interviews. I think you sent them to me. I sent some, yeah. Of the character who plays Greg, who's one of the most likable characters in any of any series anywhere. He's such a tall, he's so much taller than everyone. He says, he, one of his lines that made me laugh out loud, because he's so, he never completes a sentence. He's always bumbling over his right. own words. And he said, it was about one of these uh, women that he wanted to date. And, and she was, he was reaching over his station. And he said, it's just that I'm not sure, I'm not sure if maybe my length won't won't be a detriment (laughs) it's such such a funny way to put it the writers are very funny yeah the dialogue is pretty fantastic and yeah the i like i in those interviews i sent you i did not know that shiv was australian no, and nor, nor that, did I know that Tom was British. Exactly. And what's interesting is since then, I've seen this fresh episode, and it is the most perfectly undetectable thing I've ever seen. And even in whispers and whatnot, and there, Tom, I find immensely enjoyable. His character has got some funny stuff. Him and Greg's interaction is nothing short of Laurel and Hardy. Yeah, I mean, it is, it is, it is the comic relief where he sneaks into Greg's office and he, he puts a, a tum on the counter and says, you'll need to take this if things get dicey. And when <laughs> Greg looks at me, he says it's cyanide and Greg swallows <laughs> nervously. And then Tom bursts out laughing. Yeah. That relationship is really fantastic. And Roman, man, he, um, Kieran is like uh, Casey Affleck in that he's such a better actor than his more famous brother. Not to diminish Ben or and certainly I'd love to diminish McCulkey. He was never an actor. He was a mimic, right? He was never an actor. Uh, Ben's got some, Ben's got some chops, but here's the thing is that I will tell you this, that the most powerful scene of the series just happened this week, no spoiler here. And he had no dialogue, none. And it was some of the most powerful acting I've seen in this series, which is nothing but powerful acting. There is no weakness in this acting. There, it's it is it's astounding to me. There's nothing about it that I criticize. Yeah, uh, you, the Roman character is so bizarre. Just a freaky, just and you know how he's all like weirdly sexual with Jerry, but then he has a girlfriend that he doesn't have sex with, and it's just, who they've uh, never shown. No, his his tall blonde girlfriend. Did they the, show her in the, early in the series? Yeah, the, in the in the in the second. Second season, he was dating this woman, and they were very open about the fact that they'd never slept together after dating for. Oh, oh, I do remember that. I, I can barely remember what she looked like, but tall, yeah, blonde, curly hair, yeah, long, curly, curly hair, curly hair, and <laughs> she's the one that that at the end of season one, Tom, when they were on, in, in a bachelor party for for Tom, where he where they were in this like underground sex dungeon sort of place, and he thought that all there were no rules for your bachelor party. And she she gave him a blowjob and then spit his his load back into his mouth and he swallowed it. Who's this? Tom. Tom. Yeah. And then immediately everyone, all of his siblings knew. And like when they were waiting for their cars to come pick him up, they were like, "So Tom, I heard you." His in laws. His in laws, not his siblings. No, his siblings. Tom has no siblings in the series. Oh yeah, sorry, in laws. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Don't be insistent. Yeah, I do remember. What 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 a bizarro fucking series. Yes, but it's a weird. And then like they go off and just their vacations are like taking fucking helicopters to yachts and stuff. And it just makes you wonder how that, because there are people that live that way. Oh, sure. 
and what their lives must be like and how their daily worries are, will we close this billion dollar deal or not? And but they've never cleaned a fucking dish in their life. So who are they? Who are they? Who is the series styled after? Who is the uh, media mogul who Logan resembles? It's pretty obviously Rupert Murdoch. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. But just because they're conservatively bent and wanting to take over the the local news stations and stuff, but like it's but between themselves, they're not that political. They don't talk about politics it's just about how can we control stuff and get elections get politicians elected that will benefit us that's all they that's all they say they don't talk about more depth than that. are you in the presidential election stage of the no i'm just starting episode two of season three okay but and then there's connor poor fucking connor the he's the oldest right and it's he's alan ruck the actor from from ferris bueller's day ferris bueller and i've seen things since then but nothing that, like this one, eliminates my memory of that other character. In every other role he did, all I saw was Bueller's, Ferris Bueller's Day Off character. Right. This right. one is not, not that. Hey, speaking of 80s media, I showed my kids and my wife an 80s classic last night, Stand By Me. Oh, wow. With, oh, good, River Phoenix. River Phoenix, Will Wheaton. And what I did not realize when I started was the bully antagonist is Keeper Sutherland. Yes. Yes. And what I would and, what I would never ever have remembered was that Will Wheaton is the is the narrator who is like narrating from the future where he's an he's an adult. But his brother that died before the before the action takes place, in, like in a Jeep accident or something, when there's flashbacks to his brother's played by a very young John Cusack. Which was very strange. Uh, it was killed in a work in the workshop accident. In a Jeep crash or something. But, but I remember what that movie gets. Okay. This is one of these movies. There's a lot of movies that are set with kids 30 years before they are released because they want to appeal to the 44-year-olds that remember that time and those songs and that era yeah. in a way that makes them nostalgic. And this was very much that. And <clears throat> the soundtrack is just... Fantastic. It's all the good 1950s pop-up songs. Kiefer Sutherland set the stage for his remarkable number of evil characters. Because then he went on to the, be a Western baddie. Yeah. And, uh, no young, and, yes. young something or other? Young Guns. Yeah. Returning from the Civil War, that one, with his father. But the but what I really love about the about this movie is how true it gets the relationships between... 12 year old boys. Yeah. And they're all like, they're speaking in, in a language that we don't speak anymore because they're all, they're using 1950s isms that, that don't really res even resonate with me. They do. And, they do with me. That's exactly when I, where, when I grew up. Right. And, and I, I bore a resemblance to Wheaton's character. In fact, a skinny boy, but it was just a gorgeous boy. Yes. River Phoenix was by far the, the prettiest of the and, boys. And, and held it together remarkably. Sadly, it seems like he, the River Phoenix, the actor, had a pretty bad teenage life in Hollywood. Like, it seemed like there are reports that he was pretty much raped and taken advantage of and stuff. And that's how he developed his drug problem. And that's why he eventually died at age 23. Oh, I didn't know that. So that's tragic. And all the more, all the, it makes the movie all the more touching. And it started as touching. And... He, there's actually a line in the movie where he says, I'm not going to live past 20, which is just like, fuck. My eight-year-old son 
started off thinking this is slow and dumb all old movies are but it, by the end he liked it and got the idea of yeah, yeah. because it's just boys hanging around and calling calling each other pussies and all other sorts of words and just being boys in a way that is so true if you took a group of good friend 12 year old boys and sent them out on a mission for a day or two days they like they would act like that when i was when i was that age when i was 10 11 12 there was a neighbor of ours uh, named gary whose mother worked on a farm and regardless of the season there was work to be done and she ended up wanting to and then and being able to take her son gary to the farm and have him with her and then as he got older gary was allowed to bring a friend with him and we had three brothers i had three brothers two brothers growing up three of us my youngest brother didn't come until 12 uh, he was the, the surprise actually 12 years after the fact of the three brothers growing up together and any one of us might be invited and so who was invited i often as it would be i was not invited at least two out of three times but if it became that Gary would be friendlier with one of my other two brothers, then they would be invited. And so it became a childhood thing of would I be invited or not. But when I was invited, I got to plan for the event by packing a knapsack and putting ropes in it so we could scale down the side of a hill that was there and uh, a day of it out, in the, out on the farm. And one time, for whatever reason, there were more than two of us. And we took these bales of straw and rearranged them so that there were tunnels and a periscope type pop up top where you could climb out, but you could, there were at least three entrances and we played tag. And as us as 10, 11 year old boys were playing tag and getting all scratched up in and out of the straw, we started swearing and using this profane language. And little did we know that Gary's mother was nearby. Oh no. And listening to the profanity. Oh fuck. And, uh, and I remember this torturous, torturous lunch where we had the blanket spread out and everybody had sandwiches and Gary's mother ate, ate silently eating her sandwiches, weeping and crying ever so lightly for the entire lunch. She was so disappointed. And uh, it was actually, I believe that it was never actually, it became an issue as to who started this as opposed to who became involved. And I vaguely remember, I vaguely remember <laughs> that it was me, but no, I don't, but I don't remember for sure. But so, I also vaguely remember that it seemed that I wasn't invited anymore because the fact that I vaguely remember that it was also vaguely remembered by Gary who reported it to his mother. <laughs> oh Lord. 12 year old boys swearing. Oh that, God. That must be the first time in history. Swearing and spitting. Spitting was a big thing. One detail that I loved that I had forgotten about was, so these four boys decide to go out for 48 hours on a mission. And they pack their suitcase and their canteen and they're out walking on the railroad tracks. And then one of them says, you know, I'm kind of hungry. And they look around and no one has thought to bring any food. Like they just, it, as a 12 year old boy, you just don't think that food is. Yeah, I have a bedroll. Yeah. They had little rolls. A blanket and a, yeah. maybe just a blanket. Yeah. But it was like when you're a 12 year old boy and you live at home and when it's time to eat, just the food appears. Did they have candy, a candy bar between no, them? Or no candy. Nothing? They, they, they sat down and they pooled all their money and they came out with uh, $2.07. And they were like, okay, we can buy some food with this. She bought spam. <laughs> and, they, and they went to the store and bought, I don't know what they bought because that was the moment when I had to go to the kitchen to make the microwave popcorn. But yeah, that, and then, but like every scene 
is it's one of those movies where if you've seen it enough times, one scene ends and then the next one starts. And as the viewer, you're like, oh, this is the scene where that happens. Yeah. Like when he starts telling the story about the boy at the pie eating contest that is so angry with all of the people that call him lardass all the time that he drinks a bunch of castor oil before the pie eating contest <laughs> and then pukes out of everybody. <laughs> oh, yeah. and, but it's such a it's such a it's such a an examination of the 12 year old boy mind i have a 12 year old girl and an eight-year-old boy and it's the eight-year the 12 year old girl mind is not like the 12 year old boy mind at all but as soon as they as soon as they were walking down the tracks and they got to the long bridge where, where they were like when was the last, when was the next train supposed to come my son who has seen enough content and knows the all the hollywood tricks and stuff was immediately said they're going to start walking across the bridge and the train's going to come because like he knows that that's the thing that you do with this particular setup and was very accurate with that but anyway that's it happened and isn't it true that anytime you hear the song you're taken right back to the movie right back to the movie. It's, it's no to... i'm not so much why huh that's odd yeah because i knew the song before i knew the movie i think and it's, I can't hear the song without picturing the boys walking down the railroad tracks. But that's not, the song's not part of the movie. The song is at the very entrance of the movie. There's a, there's an orchestra, there's an orchestral version of this, the chord changes going very slowly. And until the credits, they don't play the actual song. So it's not really part of the movie. And choosing that. For me, the I, I need to get clear about this. Choosing that for the title of the movie is, yes, go. I, I got three, I got a question. Three part question. Yes. Is the, when you say, when you describe a movie, do you describe an event that begins after the beginning and somehow ends before the ending? Is that what you call a movie? That it doesn't include the opening uh, music or the closing credits music, or not to mention no. the title? It doesn't include that because you don't believe the movie really begins until the acting begins. You don't call the begin. You don't call the no. opening credits. I consider the whole thing the movie. Oh, so then I believe you might have misspoke. Okay. I don't, I, like it, it wasn't a theme throughout the movie. It wasn't a central aspect of the movie. It was Mind, mindful, of course, mindful, of course, that it's nothing less than the title. True. Which one, which one might consider a pretty strong indication of the importance of the song by the same name. Correct. But the, there's nothing about the song. There's nothing, I guess, Stand By Me is Please Be My Companion Through Hard Times or whatever. But the whole movie but is the about song, teenage loyalty is about prepubescent loyalty. But the song is about romance to me. Yeah, I think romance to me is about loyalty. So romantic loyalty as opposed to prepubescent loyalty, which eh, might have a little romance involved, little boy crushes, and you're going to be this boy's best friend or whatever. So I don't know, bro. I think, I don't know. I'm not with you on this. I, there there are songs that it, that that create an emotion, which in in I think in this case, were purely associated with the movie, the emotion of that tune, perhaps is to give you, to move okay. your way a bit, it's just a, in spite of some of the words of the song. Okay, the the song predates the movie by thirty years. It was a pop hit for thirty years, and then they made the movie, and they called it that because it was set thirty years earlier, and they were using thirty years ago pop songs, Rock and Robin, and Lollipop, and those sort of things. And it was a like Stand by Me is a nice camaraderie song, but I don't know the choice of using the title of being that song like it wasn't the movie wasn't based around 
I don't know. So Kiefer Sutherland's character what an wanted, wanted to completely annihilate this group of boys who were sworn to secrecy. Right. And nothing less than an oath of loyalty. And, and in fact, what they were saying to each other was, no matter what, I will stand by you. I will. We will stand together. We will stand by each other. I will stand by you. You stand by me on this amazing event is that we found... the words the, the word stand was never was never used which is that was such an easy that could have they could have been at any particular moment they could have looked at each other and said look if shit gets real will you stand by me they could have said that that would have been cheesy thank god this the guy who wrote the screenplay wasn't cheesy rob reiner by the way oh, so right it's i don't know it i feel like they might have chosen the name of the movie after they made the movie so I'm just curious because you, you you obviously have opinions that are so much strong about this is that I need to know what would you have named the movie? Now, you don't have to answer now. Maybe you come back next, but I do want to consider I got to tell you something that you're wearing that Christmas. Hat. Boys and leeches. That leech scene. Yeah. yeah. Is. Have you ever had a leech? I've never I had have. a leech. I Nor, not in my, in your underpants? I have. I have. Yes, I have. You've had a leech it down there? Is, yes. And when you pull them off, there is blood. It is the worst possible thing. And that scene, I believe that I saw the movie years after I had the leeches, because the leeches happened, in fact, when I was somehow wallowing in some muddy water somewhere in a pond uh-huh. and in the mud, uh-huh. splashing in the mud, and then just diving into the colder, clearer, deeper water to get the mud off me. As one does. As one would. I remember as a boy kicking mud all over my face and wanting it to dry in the sun so that it could be uh, broken off and chiseled off. Like some frantic. You still have got a piece right there where you're uh, on your upper. Oh yeah, it'll fall off soon. It'll fall off soon. We have we have reached uh, the witching hour. I must uh, move on to the next enterprise. It's so good catching up. I do think I don't remember. Did we talk about you at some point catching up with Curb Your Enthusiasm? That is so. That's such a tall mountain to. But you don't have to catch up because. Every series, every episode is independent from the other one. You really don't need, it's not a progression. It's okay. not like. It's episodic. It's, like, it's, like, like, like. The only plot is that it's the life of these characters. And everyone is just a glimpse into a particular day in the life of, of Larry David, which I think we talked about the fact that is the character from Seinfeld. Yes, yes, yes. So, uh, we did talk about that. It was you and I, Jason Alexander, <laughs> I think. Later. And yeah, that's, that's a series. I don't know how many hours of that has been. It's 11, really 11 seasons. So there's nine per. But, but they're shorter episodes. They're not uh, half hour, hour episodes. Yeah. So that's 99 episodes. So that's 45 hours. Or no, almost 50. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 49 okay. hours, 49 hours, whatever. I'm caught up. I yeah. never stopped though. I never. I don't know that I've ever missed one. I think though, maybe I must have started binging. Doesn't seem like it's been 11 years since I've been watching it, but I guess it has. Good Lord. Who knows? Time flies, man. So we're, I'm, I don't think I'm, I think I'm homebound tonight. It's 18 degrees out. It's a, I have a project. I'll take a couple pictures of it and show you. We'll talk about it next episode. Next episode, we'll look for the tool of the day. Hey, I have some news too. Oh, okay. I'm going away for Christmas. Where? I'm traveling with my family and my in-laws. We're going to have a warm Christmas in the Canary Islands. Oh my word. We're spending all of our patreon.com slash happy hour money to, oh. to go and have a once in a lifetime because it's so fucking expensive. We're going to spend from Christmas to the new year in good for you in the Canary Islands. That's going to be a thrill. Yeah. I don't know if you know where the Canary Islands are, but they are way fucking far South. Yeah. They're, they're down by Africa. I, I don't know why they're part of Spain, but 
they're down in the tropics. Does it being part of Spain make it more or less affordable? Uh, I don't have to show a passport. Oh, but, there you go. And they speak Spanish. They, all I'm sure all the signs I've seen when I've been like uh, street mapping around are in English because it's where all the all the Europeans go for. It's like the European Caribbean. So is that affecting our uh, recording schedule? I don't know. Uh, it's uh, there's going to be one. Wednesday when we're there. I might want to try it because they're one hour closer to you guys. The 29th is a Wednesday. So yeah, that, that well, I'm going to be there then. That's New Year's Eve. 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 Eve is the Eve. 30th. So that's Eve. 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 Well, so Eve. on that uh, incredibly clever note, the two of us just bantering about it. This banter, baby. This explains to our uh, most recent yeah so that white cap often when i look at it the white band below your red cap often looks because it blends with your wall somewhat yes it looks like you're missing the middle part of your head which is That's a little bit not, of, a little, not inaccurate a little bit unnerving well i'm out my brother my friend i will see you next time so good to be back peace bro peace happy birthday out. hey thanks 68 oh lord, lord. Okay, that's it for episode number 136. You can find the show notes with the links to the interviews with the Succession cast and things like that at happyhour.fm slash 136. And all that money Dennis won on the plane at poker is not real money, so you can go and give us actual real money at patreon.com slash happyhour. We would love it. And we'll see you next week.